In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Well, that's... that's all I got. No, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, Wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. It's the History Bros Podcast. <laughs> History guys, bros are awesome, awesome, and I want to sing. Hey, it's the History Bros Podcast. How we all doing? Doing my best uh, Jason Hatfield impersonation. As we know, he loves singing a little TLC, no scrubs. It has absolutely nothing to do with the episode that we're about to bring to you today, but it just seemed appropriate because uh, it didn't just seem appropriate. I just did. How you guys doing? <laughs> what seriously I, i'm just trying to make this as awkward for you as possible <laughs> <laughs> and i and i just legitimately have nothing to offer after that <laughs> i mean look i just got some advice for you buddy don't go chasing waterfalls mm, see That's see sage advice <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't disagree, but I think I. I just. I think he just proved my point that Hatfield loves him some TLC. If I could back that up with a little bit more advice, um, just yeah, maybe just stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. But you know who could. But you know who could have said it better. Who's that? TLC. <laughs> oh my lord! See, that turned out better than I expected. <laughs> And like two, two of the three of them are dead now. Are they? What? I know one, one for one sure. Them, one of them died in a car crash. I think I, the other two. I thought Lisa left. I, I, I. I'm pretty sure the other two are still alive. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm. Maybe I thought. Well, this sounds like a job for history. Okay. Oh. See, T. Boz Watkins. Uh, yeah, she's she's alive. Um, Lisa left. I Lopez died. Dead. Yeah, we knew that. Crystal Jones. I don't know wait, who that is. That the... Oh, wait. R- Rosanda Chili Thomas. She's the other one. Better known. Is. Okay, yeah, no. I was wrong. Sorry. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was just um, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. She uh, died in a car crash. Yes. Was it a car crash or was it a fire? It was, it was a car crash. It was a car she, crash she in set Honduras. Fire, I think, to an to a, a boyfriend's house. Or That's something. right. <laughs> That's right. That's correct. It was. Um, yes, know, he played for the Falcons or something like that. Did he? I think so. I think you might be right. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, there was definitely some uh, waterfall chasing that happened at some point. I think I I don't oh, know, but uh, anyway. I suppose, That's your TLC report for the week. Yeah, for all those that needed to know. <laughs> now I you think, do. Um, honestly, I think um, Rude is actually more of a fan of TLC than I am. Oh dear based God! On the amount of based on the amount of creeping that he does. Mm. Mm. What What do you mean? 
Well, why does being a creeper translate to being a TLC fan? That's what I want to know. Well, he's oh, clearly not a TLC bless fan. Your, bless your heart. Bless your heart. You are so adorable. Bless your heart. I mean, I, I know what that means in code, which I, I thank you. I've not been it's, told it's that lately. Southern. It's, it's Southern. I know exactly I'm, what it means. I'm trying to be nice to you, but I'm really not. It's Southern for uh, a nice way of telling me to uh, find some yes. sand and pound on it. <laughs> So I creep, yeah, just keep it on the down low, said nobody is supposed to know. You're, you cre- you're a creeper. They have a song called Creep. Yes, they do. Oh. And I did, not, to be, not, oh. To be, not to be confused with uh, Radiohead. No, right. different different song altogether. Very different feel. Yes. Very, um, yeah, so... Um, so, which, all, which is also a very, very good song. Yes, it is. So Whereas you have Jump from House of Pain, but you also have Jump from, from Van Halen. Oh, well, there's you. Van Halen, but I was thinking of the two kids that used to wear their clothes. Crisscross. Oh, Crisscross. Yes. Hey, yeah, one of those guys died, too. I think you're right. Did they? I'm Did almost they? positive one of them croaked. Well, that's, that's a way to keep it. Um, Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Well, you know, it we just. I never um, said I was tactful about stuff. Well, that's for certain. <laughs> so, um, we were, uh, last week, we were uh, talking about the 1776 commission report. We were. And we, we had started talking about sort of kind of the foundations of it. Um, well, to be we fair. Went it pretty quickly. To be fair, we didn't really get very far. It's true. Well, I think part of it had to do with we were had some objections. We had some prejudices that we were needing to sort of untangle before we could really take a look at this. Warranted prejudices. Uh, well, I mean, we don't I mean, why not instead of taking what the lamestream media is telling us. Right. Why don't we, you know, just take a look at it for what it is? Because, I mean, think about it. How many, how many, no, that was going to be too easy of a dig. No. So, 1776 Commission Report. So, it was, I wanted us to kind of look at it because, you know, as history teachers and, you know, you're having, you know, big government get its grubby little fingers into, um, uh, what into we do. the school systems. I don't know. I'm just throwing all kinds of stuff out there. But um but anyway, so we were talking about what the uh, the principles of the um or what the purpose, I guess, of the 1776 commission report was last time. Mm-hmm. Um and we decided to kind of jump ahead a little bit and talk about um section 4 which was the challenges to America's principles. Wait, wait, wait. And- you said we're talking about the purpose of the 1776 commission last time we we did did, right the purpose is to dictate what teachers teach in their class oh boy um yes say i I wouldn't say dictate i think it would suggest promoting a much kinder gentler view of the america's uh america's founding than 
dwelling on the negativity that um since when did you fall in love with the 1776 report i'm trying to show you what being a devil's advocate is like well mission accomplished (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's like we get it cut it out Look, I mean, if okay, if if there's a lot, I mean, this is coming from the same guy who took to took this to task with the very first sentence. He did. I mean, come on. I mean, saying, well, you're they're trying to turn this into the you know Declaration of Independence or something like that. No, just you know, just breathe, once we come across things that are you know that are questionable, which we I think we did. We were talking about how there were um, a few. Uh, omissions when it came to citations. Um, when you say a few, you mean all, all. Well, we haven't determined that it's actually quoting anything much yet. Uh, so here we go. Okay, here's the problem. I, I, it, 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 that's it. Gloves are off. We can go back and we can read through this oh, thing in a little bit, but that's it. The credibility of this document is nothing. There is no credibility. Okay. Number one. Why do you think it's not credible? Okay, first of all, here's it's why. A government, first off, it's it's not a report. A report would imply that research was was done, and I'm drawing off of the uh, bluebook.life.com. Uh, it's uh, whatever Wilson, Jonathan Wilson's words that I'm drawing off of. See, I cited my source. Unlike the 1776 Commission. Uh, it's a 20 long page thing with some appendices and whatnot, but basically it's copied other writers, uh, previous stuff. And it's not a report. There was no research done on this whatsoever. A report, a commission, the Warren commission, going back to that. Remember that one? They went back and wait, 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 now hold on a second. We haven't crossed anything that determined that there was, or was not, um, this is uh, a commission. There is no research well, done. Not that not that we've like covered yet. Well, that we haven't talked is. about. You're I've read the document already. So well, I, you have, but our listeners haven't, and I'm not sure. You're if, assuming uh, they if, haven't. You're, you're assuming have. they haven't. What? Well, I, I. It's best to go under the assumption that they haven't, rather than go under the assumption that everybody has. Now wait a second. Did you assign this as homework? Yes. Yes, you did. And I will choose to believe that my students get their homework done. So I choose to believe our listeners got their homework done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how does that, how, how does that work out for you? I'm curious. So again, the 1776 let's, let's report is anybody not a report. There, it's not a report of anything. Anybody out there that has not read the report, call in. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, going, we're live right now. And let's wait. Let's just see how many calls we get. And uh, then we can go based on that. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. You want to do what now? Oh, now you're cheating. Now you're cheating because you you work at like a radio station. So What's you're your going point? to like. Be... Wait, what is what? I want to see. What's your station's number? I'll call <laughs> All right, listen. So challenges to America's principles. No, I'm not done. Oh boy. The practical oh, recommendations boy. in the 1776 report show little awareness of actual educational Wait, environments. Who are you quoting? Who are you quoting? Uh, Jonathan Wilson, bluebooklife.com. Okay, Jonathan Wilson. He is uh, a blogger at bluebooklife.com. Oh god, a blogger. A blogger. But Kevin Levine, who you guys both know and respect, said this is the best response to it he's seen. 
So there's credibility right there. Kevin well, Levine liked it. Following, I was one person, and I'm not saying one person is not one, you know a huge deal. But yeah, but well, person. that's like so. Kevin Levine's a big deal, and let's face it. Uh, would you be saying the same thing if I said someone like um, Kevin Bryant agreed with with this one? Well, we know we that, we personally know this particular. We personally know Kevin Levine. I don't personally. Oh wait, you don't. You didn't do this session no. with me, did you? That's oh, right. You guys did Civil War Washington. He was in Seat yeah. of War and Peace, and he's an extremely well. See, well then there. See, look, that's what you get for assuming. I'm sorry. That's what you get for assuming that these people have read this report. You're. Hmm. <laughs> And class is dismissed. <laughs> that is not true. Oh, oh boy. hang on. So Let's okay. I'm here. just trying to say. I'm just trying to say that if I chose to quote from a blogger named Hanky Party Five Twenty Eight, I don't know. Oh, oh here they come. Here They're go. calling in. All right. Let's, let's hear this conversation. Uh, I can't yeah, get it. I can't get talk. it picked up. Yeah. Uh huh. That's, yeah. Okay. That's at least four. Oh my gosh, the lines are so packed. We can't oh. get. To <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I just want to hear one conversation. Just one. Just one. I can't put them on the air. Why not? Because you choose not to? No, because yeah. I can't put well, both the, the computer. censorship rude. Because I can't put both the computer. <laughs> I can't put both the computer and the the phone on the air at the same time. So that's, I'm sorry. That's what he wants you to believe. But there was know. four different people. you to believe. There was four different people that called in, <laughs> and all four of them said they did their homework. I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know. Well, I will What's send you. Next? I I did record the phone calls. I will send you a recording of them, of them oh, later. Oh God! I don't know. You, you need to. You need to smell what you're shoveling. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> what we're shoveling snow. There is no smell of snow. We got nailed again last night. Well, that's a good story. No so one challenges to America's principles. Anyway, the practical recommendations show little awareness of what actually happens in educational environments. In other words, they had not a single, not one single person with any kind of educational, like K-12 educational experience on that commission. And they did okay, no who, research. Wait, who, who are you quoting? What's this guy's name again? Jonathan Mardukas? What is Jonathan his name? Jonathan Green. No, not Green. Jonathan, John Green. Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan W. Wilson from Blue Book Diaries. Blue Book. Historian um, of American national identities in early 19th century <laughs> New York City print culture. The 1776 JW. Commission also did not include anyone with relevant experience in U.S. history education. Boom. There's number three. And number four point that he made, 1776 reports, leaps at a conclusion about what actual students think. They never talked okay. to students about okay. this. Okay. They just I'm, assumed first, what they thought. First of, first of all, if this is the same guy, Jonathan W. Wilson, he's an adjunct professor, University of Scranton and Marywood University. There you go. Uh, he's an adjunct professor of history. Um, there I teach survey courses covering the breadth of U.S. and world history. Um, so he's, you know, okay. So he's an adjunct professor, um, of he, history at the university of Scranton and at Marywood. Okay. So now we have a little bit of his background. Okay. Okay. So there's some, there could be some credit, but don't just assume that, you know, I know who these people are. So, well, so wait continue. a second. Continue the, uh, with your unjust tearing down of this report. 
the seventeen seventeen that commission report we keep oh, I, I keep uh, gloriously trashing um, made the same assumptions that we're all just going to accept who they had on their commission as fact. Again, there was absolutely no research done for this thing, so the the credibility of it is shot to begin with. There's well, no again, research done. We haven't we haven't taken a look at it to know. You're just automatically assuming. Now, granted, maybe we'll come across it, or maybe they'll actually talk about something that we're like, yeah, well, that's true. And how if that's can, the case, how well, can then you cross? How can you come across something that doesn't? That's not there. There's no research. If, you can't come across nothing. Uh, what? We we established last time that there were no citations in this. In fact, you That's established true, it at the beginning they, of the episode. They did have they did have they did have quotes that we could now. Granted, we had to do the footwork ourselves to actually find the research for it. Exactly, so we were able to determine. Okay, well, this came from this executive order, which they didn't have. They didn't have it cite, cited in it, but we did find it. So that now, granted, is that is is that necessarily? I mean, they're just quoting what the purpose of the thing was. They did have quotes from. Lincoln without any sort of sources as to what the, you know, the speeches were and that kind of stuff. But have they necessarily, um, have, so here's the question. This is the bigger issue. And this goes back to what it's like when we're in our classrooms trying to deal with difficult topics. We have all agreed that the best way to proceed with having difficult conversations with, with students about difficult topics is to stick to the facts as much as possible uh, and look at what, what are the facts saying, what does the research say, and, and everything else that goes along with that. In this commission report... we haven't report, even looked at the facts yet. In this we haven't com- even, I mean, that's because there are no facts. It's all opinion-based. Well, well, uh, uh, respectfully, sir, that is your opinion. What, right, but my opinion matters. Check and mate, sir. <laughs> I yeah, mean, well, but the thing is, is that if you're trying to give a book report, now granted, maybe you have read this. Maybe you have read this in its entirety, and that's fine. Um, I don't know if Geldmacher has. I, I have not because I, I wanted to go through this, you know, with a fresh perspective. But it's like if you're trying to give a book report based on a book that you haven't read, now, granted, uh, is what you're saying a lie? No, I don't know that because I haven't taken a look at it yet. But you're also not giving us a chance to really take a look at it before you start tearing it down, though, either. That's correct. So is that fair? Absolutely. <laughs> wow. There are, there are some who might identify that as a tentative fascism. Well, then I'm, I'm par for course funny, these days. Funny you should say that because that might be coming up today. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. <laughs> par for so course just, today, then. Now, if you're, if, you're, if you're telling the truth, if, you're, you know, if this guy is absolutely on point, then yes. But let's take a look at okay, it Okay, fine. Let's read the thing. <laughs> but let's not pretend like this is... Never mind. Let's read this piece of trash. I'll be objective. <laughs> let's, let's, let's give this lion piece of garbage a chance. <laughs> All right. Chall- okay. Challenges to America's principles, section four. Challenges to constitutional government are frequent and to be expected in a popular government based on consent. Great. Here it comes. In his farewell address, uh-huh. George Washington advised his country. Oh, this sounds like research. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, 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 no. Uh, we're not talking about did he? No, no. We're not talking about research in which they went out. What? We listened to you. We listened to you. But you just no, no. We're not even two sentences into this yet. Where is Seth Wallace to not help? In his farewell address, George Washington advised his countrymen that when it came to the preservation of the Constitution, they should quote resist with care and the spirit of innovation. Upon its principles, however, specious, 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 the pretexts, end quote. The Constitution has proven sturdy against resist with care the spirit of innovation upon its principles, however, specious, the pretext. Okay, so in other words, um, push back against uh, changes regardless of what the uh, the thoughts behind them or the intentions behind them are. The Constitution has proven sturdy against narrow interest groups that seek to change elements of the Constitution merely to get their way. Okay, there's not a... That probably could have used an example, but maybe we're going to get into that. Sure. Uh, at the same time, it is important to note that by design, there is room in the Constitution for significant change and reform. Okay, so we're talking, okay, we need to push back on this, but there's plenty of opportunities to do it. Indeed, great reforms like abolition, women's suffrage, anti-communism, the civil rights movement, and the pro-life movement have often come... I lost you. No, I'm here. I just... It just I. At the same time, it is important to note that by design, there's room. Indeed, great reforms like abolition, women's suffrage, anti-communism, the civil rights movement, and the pro-life movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's mm-hmm. interesting how it's, a, what it's an odd ch- it's an odd inclusion. What they chose um, <laughs> have often come forward that improve our dedication to the principles of the Declaration of Independence under the Constitution. More problematic have been movements that reject the fundamental truths of the Declaration of Independence and seek to destroy our constitutional order. The arguments, tactics, and names of these movements have changed, and the magnitude of the challenge has varied, yet they are all united by adherence to the same falsehood that people do not have equal worth and equal rights. Hmm. Okay, so here's my question. You said is this that is... as in now or then or that's the principle? See, my, one of my biggest issues with this so far <laughs> is that it's written very poorly. There's yeah, a lot of because they're writing a history report about uh, about something that is meant to be a report on education. They're writing a history report in their own voice and, and opinion, but this document isn't about, about the, the, the purpose of this document. It says, declared purpose of the President's Advisory Seminary, enable a rising generation to understand the history and principles of the founding of the United States uh, in 1776 to strive to form a more perfect union. This requires a restoration of American education. They're writing a history report, not a report on education. Okay. So you you bypassed everything you said up until that last sentence. They are talking about education. However, to do that, you have to. Well, I mean, what was the first part of what you just said? The whole point I'm making is that they did no. <laughs> they did no. Re- what do you mean? So you read six sentences, but you only reference the fir- the last one when you're giving an, an example. The first five sentences have to do with history. That's what they're doing. No, this, but no, it says the. <laughs> 
Read it, read what you said again. What I said before was a, the a quote. Of. The purpose of it, yeah, was quote enable a rising generation. And I don't know; they don't tell us where that quote okay, comes. No, no, no. From. Just, just read, just read it again. Enable a rising generation to understand the history and principles of the founding of the United States in 1776. Stop! Just, Isn't that what they're doing? Isn't that what they're trying to do with a historical report? It, so you're going to cherry pick this and then take something oh, out of context. I'm sorry. Keep reading. Go ahead. Go ahead. And to strive to form a more perfect union. End quote. This requires okay. a restoration of American education, which can so, only be so, grounded on a history of those so, principles that is on, accurate, honest, you didn't unifying, hold on. inspiring, hold on. and ennobling. Hold on. And a hold rediscovery on. of our shared identity rooted in the founding principles in the path okay. to a new, renewed American unity and a confident <clears throat> American future. So in the first reading of that, you stopped after the few few words into the sentence about education. Yes, I did. And then said, see, it's about education. It so is. you cherry-picked a good, out of those three or four or five sentences, you cherry-picked the last one. Do you but because really I chose not? To, but because I chose to cherry-pick the first one, I cherry-picked. Yes, because you did. <laughs> because, because you did. No, but I'm, I yes. took, I'm from yes. Iowa. I can do that. <laughs> I, right. I know okay. how to pick oh, stuff. Hilarious. I'm from oh. Iowa. I know how to pick stuff. Okay. <laughs> the arguments, tactics, and names of these no, movements no, no, no. have No, changed. I'm not done. No, no, no. Listen, the thing <laughs> is, is that you're not, you, you are not, you, okay, you, it's obvious that you hate this thing with a passion. I and do. It's probably, it's, it's probably worthy of that. But I'm just trying to say, let's, let's talk about that based on the merits of what it is that we're talking about here. Okay, fine. Go ahead. If, I mean, uh, you're, it's okay, if like you have you're, if you have a disagreement and you don't like something, so you stand out in the street and you protest it. Great. This is what, what we've talked about for a really long time. Great. We appreciate that. That's your right to do so. It's when you turn up the heat and throw a chair through a window and scream I, at the top of your lungs, and you're you know to the point of you don't want to let anybody else. have Not. I'm not. Saying, oh, whatever. I have not what, thrown a single then, chair. Then your message gets lost. I, I, and you start going through Senator Ted Cruz's desk taking pictures. Right. And stealing Nancy Pelosi's podium. You know. That's not okay. This sounds like censorship. This <laughs> oh, sounds geez. like censorship. Now, okay. So <laughs> one of my big issues so far, they haven't really talked about a great deal. Um, there's a lot of opinion in this. There's not it, so far. Is that it, not what I did? I've been saying the whole time. Well, but we're you're you're making quotes about this blogger and all that kind of stuff. No, what it comes of, down to is you guys want to think I'm an idiot. No. no, I don't. I absolutely don't. What I'm wanting to do is for the sake of our listeners. They did their homework. This. Yeah, I haven't heard that phone call. Oh, I'll so I'm just trying to say that my biggest issue with this so far, because th there's been a lot of opinion that isn't necessarily false or true. It's just opinion. It's their perspective. I may, I disagree with some of it. Like, for example, that people, there's this big, that they're, all of these movements, they don't necessarily describe uh, the movements uh, specifically. They, they, they list specific ones that they say um, improve the dedication of principles. Well, no, 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 because no. the next, I think what they're trying to say is that the next, um, like the subtopics here are going to be those challenges. 
Okay. Okay. That's what well, I see, believe. That's, that's my, well, that's my big issue is that this is written pretty yeah, yeah, sloppily. I get it. <clears throat> There's, I get it. Um, but when they say that people do not, that the big falsehood is that people do not have equal worth and equal rights. Well, oh, are they, I mean, what are they talking about? If they're talking about, I mean, the, the civil rights movement was made because people didn't have equal worth and equal rights. No, no, I, I think what they're saying is that when they talk about, um, uh, let me find it. Uh, you just read it. Where'd it go? Uh, the second paragraph um, on page 10 on the right side. So, yeah, okay. Um, more problematic have been the movements that reject the fundamental truths of the Declaration of Independence. I think those movements are going to be listed here below, like slavery and what they say is progressivism and See, things that's like that. What I, it drives me crazy. Does that make sense? That's the case. Yeah. Well, that would, but that's not. It's not if it's not being specific. It's not saying okay. Right. This is right. What, you know, it's, it's, and, it doesn't say, and we're going to tell you about them now. Here they are. Right. It's, you know, it's like we used the word wonky last week. And I think that's obviously problematic. 1776 wonky report is what they probably should have called it. Um, At the infancy of our republic, the threat was a despotic king who violated the people's rights and overthrew the colonists' longstanding tradition of self-government. After decades of struggle, the colonists succeeded in establishing a more perfect union founded not upon the capricious whims of a tyrant, but Republican laws and institutions founded upon self-evident and eternal truths. It is the sacred duty of every generation of American patriots to defend this priceless inheritance. And of course, the first thing that people are going to think of is, well, you know, these are the same people that also own slaves, which of course leads us into the first challenge to America's principles, which is slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, The most common charge leveled against the founders and hence against our country itself is that they were hypocrites who didn't believe in their stated principles and therefore the country they built rests on a lie. I feel like right off the bat, this is a very aggressive way to phrase this. I I think that that is not too far off from the language that we hear. I mean, we, uh, we can't fly Betsy Ross's flag because... It was created during slavery when when this country was, you know that that's the kind of things we hear about. I don't think that's too. I mean, I I, I know it might be by my perspective, but I don't think that's too far off. I mean, I think there are honestly people that really, really, really feel this way. Well, there are. I'm sure that there are, but that's not to say that if if there are some people that do this, then to say that that's the common charge. It's kind of like saying, well, that's only one person that I've ever heard of to say that and making that person be like, oh, well, everybody thinks that. I think it's more common than one might think. Well, I mean, but again, to use the term hypocrites and that everything's rests on a lie already has it in a very aggressive attacking tone. Have we not um, referred to the founding fathers as hypocrites? I don't know if we've actually used the term hypocrites. Oh, no, no. We have. I have. have we? I, oh, I know, well, I know. Root has. I know. I have. Um, yeah, I, I can't don't know. speak for you. I obviously can't speak for I, you, but I, 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 I mean, as recently as last week, I used the word hypocrite. I know Rude used the word hypocrite as well. May I? Can you uh, quote that and cite that because I'd like to know where exactly I said that. <laughs> I mean, it was in last week's show. Um, if you've done uh, your, if you've done your homework. 
let's, let's go ahead and put a one in <clears throat> right. episode history bros <laughs> last week's episode. Right. No, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I heard Rude say that, but um but I mean, but okay, well we'll I'll 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 concede. I'll say okay, well then, you know. Um I, I do know that people do say that um there's a that there's a double standard. You and I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong. I think the word hypocritical is appropriate. Okay. For the map. Right. Well, then, I wish you loved America, Brian. <laughs> um, this charge is untrue and has done enormous damage, especially in recent years, with a devastating effect on our civic unity and social fabric. Okay, so I just want to point okay, something so out real quick. See. Yeah. He okay. says this charge is untrue that they're hypocrites, right? So that's an opinion because we know that it the is general- an opinion. We know that the guy who wrote the Declaration of Independence, his name is uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson. And we also know that uh, the guy who owned 200 slaves at Monticello, uh, uh, his name is Thomas Jefferson. Okay. There we go. Are you trying to find your quote? Is that what you're doing? Because I heard something in the background. I'm not. No, you are. Thanks for paying attention to that. So. Um, okay, well, no. Okay, so is it true that these people were espousing life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and then they owned slaves? Yeah, they did. And right. is that a hypocritic, uh, hypocritical thing to do? Yes. yes. I, I would agree. Does it mean, but the, what I've always said with that, and this is the problem, is usually what happens when someone's got a problem with American education, what's being taught, and when they talk about this stuff is, oh, they only say that they're hypocrites. They don't say anything else about it. I don't say that. I will say well, in my this, class, oh, I'm sorry, I will say in my class that, uh, yes, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence that's uh, uh, proclaimed all men are created equal while at the same time owning 200 slaves and enjoying a lifestyle that he did uh, because of those enslaved people. Um, but I'll say, I'll, I'll continue on to say that, you know, does that reduce what he accomplished as a leader in our country? Does that make the Declaration of Independence not worthy of our time? No, the ideas are no less profound or important. He's just not perfect. He's not a perfect, he, he's not... He's he's not a uh, uh, you know a demigod as we would call him. Same thing with with some many of the other uh, people that were involved in the forming of the country. They're not perfect. Well, my, my, well my, that's true. And my first issue with this so far, apart from the fact, well, my second issue now because it's kind of muddled or this this it's written kind of sloppily, is it goes that this charge is untrue. The charge is that they are hypocrites and that the country they built rests on a lie. Now, I don't necessarily believe that the country they built or the principles they built rests on a lie. Right. Um, because I think that we have part of the amazing aspect of American history are these leaps and strides to try and undo those hypocrisies, I guess, right. if that's what we're going to call them. Um, so to say that the charge is untrue, that these that, you know, they were hypocrites. Well, by definition, if they're promoting freedom and liberty, but they are holding slaves, well, then that's that is true. That's the definition of hypocrisy. OK. Right, so and to build the- upon that at thirty eight oh five into last week's episode, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Jefferson was called a massive hypocrite on this very By- broadcast. Um, I, I don't want to point fingers, but 
It's awfully cold in Iowa right now. <laughs> <laughs> I and I'm. It's not an attack. I'm just saying. I I want us to be truthful. If we say something, and then we say, well, oh, well that's no. Okay. I didn't say. I didn't say it. I just <laughs> wanted you to prove. I didn't it. say you didn't say it either. I'm just pointing out the fact that you did. <laughs> that's fine. fine. Because I agree. I think he's a hypocrite too, oh but I also God. think it's nuanced, but it's fine. Okay, well then, this is a learning moment for me because I couldn't remember. Using the term hypocrite for me um, is, I mean, it can be a very powerful tool. It's not, it's it's kind of like, I don't know. It's 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 very, very aggressive. Um, I mean, it's true. I mean, I guess, but it's, you know, there's just something about it that just, I don't know. You, you, you know, you attract more flies with, you know, honey, than you do. Vinegar. It is. It's one of those words that if, you know, if you're really not paying it and not that you weren't paying attention to context um, or that rude wasn't either. But if you're, if you hear that word, you automatically think, Oh, <laughs> you know? right. yeah. Unless, so unless you're really paying attention to what's being stated. It's, it's one of those words that make your ears stand up and like, Oh, what, what did he say? All right. So the next paragraph, many Americans labor under the illusion that slavery was somehow a unique, a uniquely American evil. Uh, it is essential to insist at the outset that the institution be seen on a much broader perspective. It is very hard for people brought up in the comforts of modern America in a time in which the idea that all human beings have inviolable rights and inherent dignity is almost taken for granted to imagine the cruelties and enormities that were endemic in earlier times. Boom, 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 boom. Guess what? That is a massive whataboutism right there. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we have tried to talk about this when we were talking about... What about about, um, other slavery? No, when we were talking about Christopher Columbus and whether or not he was a... uh, Hero or a a villain? A bad person, we tried to put it in the context of the times. I get that. Now, we did, but, I mean, um, let's see, inherent dignity. Now, they say it's an endemic thing, so depending on when... Because I know, when did uh, England outlaw slavery? Do we know that off the top of our heads? No, I don't. And and the fact of the matter is, though, it's a huge whataboutism. And we know, if you follow any of our personal group chats uh, between the history bros that nobody else can see, that Hatfield <laughs> hates whataboutisms. 1830, 1833 is when uh, the okay. British outlawed slavery. So if, no, if Hatfield goes any far farther here without denouncing this as a whataboutism, then he's a hypocrite. Well, it de- <laughs> I mean, I need to read. I need to read more. No, listen, I need to read more because if they're saying, OK, well, the Romans did it. Well, then, yeah. OK, that's like, OK, well, then show me where the Romans were in 1776. Then, yeah, I mean, you could. So you know, are we I'm, I, and I'm obviously are we honestly saying that when we're discussing the evils of slavery that we absolutely cannot discuss the history of slavery itself because no. it can only be discussed from an American perspective? No. Do you know how America, Amerocentric that sounds? No, yeah, that's well, not what I'm saying. That's do you not- know how Amerocentric the 1776 commission <laughs> no, I get report? it. And that, yeah. It right. doesn't make it any better. What about ism? <laughs> the point that I'm making here is, no, you, you. I think it's important to mention other forms of slavery. There's no, no problem with that. The it's problem necessary. is to justify American slavery by saying, well, there was slavery other places too. It doesn't mean we should do it. I'm not, uh, I don't think anyone's arguing that. 
Yeah, Which you, I mean, if, kind of. If it's a what, if it's a what we're, about is we're not, we're not using it to justify its usage. If you're, if you're, no, we're trying to use it to, to justify why it's not as bad as 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 it it's been made out to be. So I discussed the history of slavery, and I feel like this is somewhat of a personal attack. Um, it's not a personal attack I, on you. No, I'm the only one that does it. Um, out of the that's three of us. That's not true. I do too. <laughs> no, class. that's true. I teach world history, so it's me. Um, <laughs> I teach it to set up the comparison of the two, whereas traditionally history shows us that slavery has been, again, and I've said this on the show, has been of a conquered people or a, a military, you know, as a result of a military loss. Um, it changed, however, in the United States to to reflect more of a um, uh, a culture or, or or a race instead of being a conquered people. Well, it, right. it's a very it's a very thin line when you are trying to, as Rude is trying to say, when you're using the examples of other things of slavery to kind of say, well, this is why we were doing it too versus saying it's kind of like you know well if everybody else jumped off a cliff would you right i mean it, it's it's this concept that we're going to talk we the you know slavery in the united states was not about conquered militaries now sure native americans in some cases well, you know there were instances of that yeah if i have a student come up to me and i've had this happen almost every single year where they say you know did slavery happen anywhere else I'm not going to sit there and go, we're not talking about that. I'm not going to sit there and say, no, it's only been in the United States. That's not the case. It's like, yes, slavery has existed, but we're not talking about the slavery that happened in Italy. We're not talking about the slavery that happened, you know, um, anywhere else in the, in the world. If we want to talk about, yes, slavery had happened, but we're talking about this country specifically. And as Brian's put in pulling out, uh, uh, pointing out that the the rationale behind slavery, where it used to be, you know, conquered individuals, and this is sort of like your punishment for you know being conquered, versus um, a racial um, a racial focus. Right. Um, it's. I mean, slavery's bad. I'm not saying that our slavery's yeah, worse than anybody else's. Slavery. There's a there's a clear threshold, obviously, and that's what I start with in my classes when we talk about slavery. Even going back to the 1490s, is that slavery's wrong? I mean, that's the threshold we start at. Right. And, well, then we, yeah. and we build upon it from there. So we're. I'm not, we're, I mean, I'm not, we're sure, I'm not sure the fact that I talk about slavery from a worldly perspective is is somehow. Well, I think the approach that you have and what they're saying in this, <coughs> I'm not entirely certain. Are the same thing. If, if those are the same thing. That's the problem. Think- and that's what I was going to say is this is a report and this, this paragraph is basically being set up or used to set up an argument saying that uh, American education is teaching only that uh, slavery was bad and Americans were bad for doing it. Um, without talking about the history of other forms of slavery and not putting anything in context, and well, we know to just, be true, ju- and therefore just treating uh, or, or just uh, it, uh, uh, training students to hate America because of the slavery, which is not true. We are taking a much more inclusive approach to it, as we have just 
basically proven here in our conversation. So what you're saying is that it's shades of gray, which we all know is true. So what we do know no, to be it's true making is making assumptions about what we're doing or not doing in our classrooms. And I've got a sure. real problem with that. <laughs> so what, what we know to be true is, is that this is a response, whether, whether we like it or not, is this is a response to the 1619 project, um, which does say that the country was built on the hypocrisy of the founders. I mean, it may not say it in the words, but the, I know the, 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 the writer of the 1619 project has come out and said that. Okay. And so I won't- it, it, it's, it's reasonable to then uh, if, if this is, if this is a response to that project, it's reasonable to, to assume that they would take an, an opposing viewpoint. I can, I understand right, right or wrong. Right. Okay. But well, here's wait, the problem. Wait, hold, on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me address this. Why do you get to talk? Um, I want to talk. <laughs> no, because he's talking about what the purpose of the 1619 project well, is. Well, I was going to talk about that too. Okay. Well, the New York Times, uh, the, developed by Nicole Hannah Jones, says that the, or um, from the New York Times, the New York Times magazine, which, quote, aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the United States national narrative. Okay. Uh, is that now, is that saying the same thing that you're saying? It says? I'm saying that she has made comments outside of this report that go further than what that summary says. Okay. Well, do we have a citation? No, but I would love to go find it for you. So oh, give okay. Me okay. okay. So now it's my turn. Here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. And I'm sure it's happened in other cases, and so then I'm going to be the hypocrite, but I'm going to be an ignorant hypocrite because I have not gone to check on this. The 1619 Project is written by the New York Times, a private entity, correct? Yes. Yes, you've made, you've made this, this argument yes, before. Yes, this is a governmental response to an opinion that they don't like. So why are we not getting a governmental response to every book that's ever written or every article that's ever written that has something has any opinion for that matter. I got a problem with that. No, I mean, I don't think we've disagreed with that. I think when you have um, a government trying to reframe our principles in response to a private uh, publication of something, then, I mean, it's kind of like, it it does kind of smack of, you know, one party, you know, rule, like, you know, state run media, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, um, Brian, it says, uh, let's see, in September 2020, lead 1619 project writer Nicole Hannah-Jones criticized conservatives for their depiction of the project, arguing that it does not argue that 1619 is our true founding. Atlantic writer Connor Friedersdorf responded on Twitter by citing statements from Hannah Jones arguing that 1619 was the nation's true founding. Philip Magnus noted in a Quillette essay that the claim that the project aimed to reframe the country's history understanding 1619 as our true founding had been removed from the opening text of project of projects page on the New York Times site without an accompanying correction notice. Right. This was after uh, major historians like Gordon Wood had come out and said, hey, this is something you may need to address. Um, and it was changed without any sort of you know, fanfare. Magnus changed. argued that this showed that the Times was quietly revising its position. 
Right. This unannounced substitution was decried by the Conservative National Association of Scholars, which published a public letter in reaction to the change asking for the revocation of the project's Pulitzer Prize. Right. Yeah. Responding to the criticism, Hannah Jones said that the argument about dating the founding to 1619 was self-evidently metaphorical. In an opinion column in the New York Times, Brett Stevens wrote, these were not minor points. The deleted assertions went to the core of the project's most controversial goal to reframe American history by considering what it would mean to regard 1619 as our nation's birth year and argued that the question of journalistic practices, however, raises deeper doubts about the 1619 project's core premises. Premises. Right. Looking at that right now. So, yeah, she apparently it originally had included something to the effect of. And again, it doesn't mean that people took it out of context. Oh, that never happens. Whew, what? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I meant when I brought she that up. Also, she also wrote on Twitter, Twitter, those who wanted to act as if tweets slash discussions about the project hold more weight than the actual words of the project cannot be taken in good faith and that. Those who point to edits of digital blurbs but ignore the unchanged text of the actual project cannot be taken in good faith. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's like there, there's instead of I don't. Uh, it's nitpicky. It sounds like it's just nitpicky based on social media. That's what it sounds like. Which what is it? <laughs> You're right. This is my shock face. Yeah. Um. So let's see. It was the Western world's repudiation of slavery only just beginning to build at the time of the American Revolution, which marked a dramatic sea change in moral sensibility. Sensibilities. The American founders were living on the cusp of this change in a manner that straddled two worlds. George Washington owned slaves, but came to the came to detest the practice and wished for a plan adopted for the abolition of it. By the end of his life, he freed all the slaves in his family estate, which isn't not exactly true entirely true right is Um, aside from the last little bit there is there anything is there any sort of issue with with what we're doing in that paragraph yeah there's no citation of of where uh i would like to know what the proof is that george washington came to, to despise the practice and what also isn't being said is yes he freed his slaves dot 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 what they don't tell you is he freed them after he was done using them what does that say? Well, and he and, and he didn't free all of them well, because some of that. the um, some of the parent uh, or excuse me some of the slaves belonged to his wife's family. Yeah, but so and, 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 he could not actually free those. They had to actually be redistributed. Oh, socialism. But I don't think um, right. But I but that's not the bigger part. the The part that's the, the the bad part here is he would let them go only after he had died and no longer had a use. That is the part that's much more, uh, but it speaks. To, but it speaks to the split nature of his, uh, the the idea that he couldn't honestly make a decision that he was torn because of, you know, it, it, that it speaks or, to that exactly. Or it could speak to the fact of he wanted to live the lifestyle he had. He knew that he had to have slaves in order to live the lifestyle that he had. And once he was dead and didn't need to have the lifestyle anymore, then he didn't need the slaves anymore. And that's that's I mean, a two way street. Well, I mean, his you're one hundred percent correct. It's a two way street, which means that his words and his actions say two different things. But also, so would that make uh, him a hypocrite? Sure, it does. Okay, sure. 
if you need me to say it, he's a hypocrite. But that's but that's what this is saying. But that charge is untrue. But that's but that's what this entire paragraph is saying. Right, but just a paragraph. They straddled or two, two worlds. Right, but the paragraph <laughs> or two before is trying to say that he's not a hypocrite. That that charge is untrue. But right. his words and his actions do um, do kind of con- conflict with each other. But again. As we were talking about with, you know, with uh, Christopher Columbus, it's, I mean, we're looking at it from a 2021 eyes. Thank God, 2021. (laughs) Um, You know, in the perspective of the, you know, latter half of the 18th century. And, you know, was Christopher Columbus a bad guy? Well, yes and no, depending on what context you're talking about. I'm not trying to justify slavery. And... To try and say that, you know, that I agree that, you know, George Washington, you know, if he was against slavery, he had it well within his power to discharge the slaves that he could legally do. And yet he didn't until his death. Um, so he still released them after that, though. I mean, that was still, you know, part of it. But, you know, it, it's, you know... Uh, yeah, I it's I'm having it's it there's no risk involved with freeing some freeing an enslaved person after you're dead. There's no risk involved in that. Well, there's not. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I, um, and I think that speaks to the to the the way that they were torn on the subject. How? Well, let's take uh, Th- Thomas Jefferson's the next one. They say Thomas so Jefferson. I could, no, 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 hang on. I want to I want to go on that here okay. for a second because sure. okay. The way they were torn, so they knew it was wrong, yet they were still going to do it because they knew that they, without they, it, they didn't have the uh, the. Uh, I mean, what am I trying to say? Um, they didn't truly know how to just figure it out. Yeah, they could take care of it on their own estate, but what that doesn't mean anything for the rest of the country. It doesn't mean anything for the rest of the world. Um, how do you? take care of something that isn't just your house yes you could easily just say oh i'm taking care of my house but that doesn't take care of the neighbor's house to the neighbor's house down the road i get right? that how do i affect change in on a larger scale when i can't even bring myself to do it in my own house it's weird okay that's I, the torn i'm speaking of okay but the question is were they really really wanting to make a change because thomas jefferson in multiple documents proves that he says, "Yeah, change needs to be made," but he didn't want to make a change himself. I get, but but I but again, I think that I think it's an issue where they I, don't really know what first steps to take. Well, I, I, that may be me, that might be me defending the founders. Whatever, that's fine. Well, well, since, mean, since you brought up Thomas Jefferson, he's on, he's the focus of this next one. Sure. That Thomas Jefferson also held slaves, and yet included in his in his original draft of the the Declaration a strong condemnation of slavery, which is true. Mm-hmm. They did take it out, which was removed yep. at the insistence of certain slaveholding delegates. Uh, inscribed in marble at his memorial in Washington D.C. is Jefferson's foreboding reference to the injustice of slavery. Quote, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Yet, in his case, he didn't free his slaves. Yes, he did. I mean, no, he didn't. Well, 
No, he didn't. No, they actually they had to actually wind up. I think having to sell them because he was so, in such yeah, a yeah. Let me let me. I'm actually somewhat of a sort of pseudo expert, not really, but I like I. I spent a week at Monticello, and this was talked about. Yes. So here's what happened in the case of Thomas Jefferson. He freed, I believe, four. Uh, he freed two two of his enslaved people and allowed two of them to run away. All four of them were members of the Hemings family. Take that for what you want. Sure. At the end of his life, at what? I wonder what makes them so special. Right. At the end of his sure. life, he was. Ex- uh, very much in debt because he charged accounts like you couldn't believe to live this lavish European lifestyle with imported everything for the, his very expensive European tastes. Um, it was the lifestyle he wanted to live. Um, and then at the end, so at the end, his family was left with the equivalent of $2 million worth of debt and they had to sell off the enslaved population which only came out to about seven hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars, so it didn't even cover half. Maybe a little over half the debt. Maybe I forget exactly what the numbers were, um, but yeah, they sold them off to pay for his lifestyle during his life, and yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Um, so again. The, 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 the argument that gets made for Thomas Jefferson is, yes, he's got these outstanding ideas, these great ideas about um, freedom, these great ideas about uh, how we should live and how we should govern and, and, and all that. But he lived his lifestyle on the backs of his enslaved people. And he wrote multiple times about the superiority of whites to, to black people. See, um, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. Um, yeah. And he also in the first uh, what do you call it the the Virginia uh, the the law the first laws of Virginia when he was uh, governor legislator there I forget um, he also tried to include in in that document at least in the rough draft i don't think it came all the way through that once you had seven eighths of the black bread out of you you were no longer considered to be black why would he do that well because his kids were seven eighths white that's why well and we also we I mean, let's be honest that we've, you know, had this discussion on here before that uh, Jefferson has written some things that weren't entirely enlightened when it came to the differences between, you know, uh, blacks and whites. Right. Um, So Jefferson is a very complicated individual, but I he did lay an attack on he did lay he laid the attack on slavery Le- uh, but it was leveled at the king instead of necessarily attacking. S- well, and in- instead of attacking slavery necessarily itself, right? So, uh, I mean, again, it sounds like I'm defending. Um, at the time, the entire document was based on the ills of the king, the evils of the king, and as British subjects, everything that they're doing is under the authority of the king. 
Right. right. But would it's it stand also, the reason then that even slavery would be considered an evil that was being committed under the authority of the king? Uh, well, that's because it's easier to blame it on them than have to. Uh, and I don't disagree that there are certain different ways to look at that. But as a British subject, all authority lies with the king. Well, which is a convenient way to, to be able to do that because the king isn't the. Yeah. That's the time they were living in? No, because nobody. Here's a basic psychological principle. Nobody wants to believe that they're a bad person. So if even if they agree that slavery is a bad thing, even if a person agrees that slavery is a bad thing, nobody wants to believe that what they're doing is that they're, they're a bad person. So if I've got an out by being able to blame the king, darn right I'm going to do that. I think that's a very modern perspective. Psychology has changed. Of course, I can't speak for... I mean, well, no, just the, just the situation in general. It's a very... They should have known better. Well, maybe they didn't. You know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they. Jefferson cl- clearly writes in documents where he says. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. He, he knows it's wrong, but he says that he doesn't have. You are right in that they were conflicted and that they didn't know how to how to fix it. I, I will give you that. Jefferson flat out says that. He says it's the next generation's problem to figure out. He says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had the exact letter. Um, again, I should be going back to my Monticello stuff. It's two years, two and a half years since I, I was around those documents, but he, he does say that. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, well, he's, yeah. And, and let me bring up, uh, cause the, the report actually mentions uh, some, some actually this quote, a plan for the abolish uh, abolition. Jeez. Oh, I can't talk a plan adopted for the abolition of it referring to slavery. Um, this is the quote, and it's from Mount Vernon's website. Uh, it's 1786. There is not a man living who wishes more sincerely than I do to see a plan adopted for the abolition of slavery, but there is only one proper and effectual mode by which it can be accomplished, and that is by legislative authority. So he's saying it. this needs to be wide-ranging, and it needs to come from the top, and we can't do that house by house. Right. That's and that really kind of explains the the whole not hypocrisy, the whole mentality of I don't know how to deal with this because we can't just say you can go, you're free, because that doesn't take care of the problem itself. Okay. I, will, I, I hope that's what I, I hope that's what I'm I hope what I'm saying makes sense. I mean I, I, I think I get what you're saying this time. Okay. I mean that whatever. <laughs> no, so, I, I get um, what you're saying. And I was just trying to see um, uh, the quote that they're referencing in this um, notes from the state of Virginia for in a warm climate, no man will labor for himself who can make another label labor for him. This is so true that of the proprietors of slaves, a very small proportion indeed are ever seen to labor and can the liberties of a nation be thought uh secure when we have removed their only firm basis a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of god that they are not to be violated but with his wrath indeed i tremble for my country when i reflect that god is just that his justice cannot sleep forever but um but he does continue the rest of that quote is um, that considering numbers, nature, and natural means only a revolution of the wheel of fortune and exchange of situation is among possible events that it may become probable by supernatural interference. 
And it seems like Jefferson's more concerned about a massive slave uprising than an attack on slavery itself. Yep. But, um... But again, they don't, you know, they don't cite what that quote is from either. Um, uh, James Madison saw to it at the Constitutional Convention that even when the Constitution uh, compromised with slavery, it never used the word slave to do so. No mere semantics, he insisted that it was, quote, wrong to admit in the Constitution the idea that there could be property in men. But... um, I was kind of quiet because I was looking this up. Um, yeah. The actual quote is from the notes is Mr. Madison thought it wrong to admit in the Constitution the idea that there could be property in men. The reason of duties did not hold as slaves are not like merchandise consumed and such. So they're actually referencing the taxation hmm. of importation of slaves. In other words, yeah, so they didn't want to be taxed on it. And so I thought it wrong to admit in the Constitution the idea there could be property in men. The reason of duties did not hold as slaves are not like merchandise consumed. So it's again, but, uh, it's like, yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty nice kind of in and of itself, but taken in a larger context, it's not quite I think the message that they're trying to convey. No, it's it's they're they're looking for a justification and I have to pay tax to not have to pay taxes on slaves. I mean, that's to say, oh yeah, uh, this is it's property. So when when it comes time to to argue, you know, the fugitive slave law and and argue um, Dred Scott and and argue everything else, and I realize that's a, a, a different time period. Dred Scott is, um, but it's property. They're property. They're property. They're property. They get no rights because they're property. Um, you know, we, they get no say because they're property. They have to live here because I bought them. They're property. But now we're going to say, oh, but it's it's not the same thing as, as the other one, well, other types of property, because we don't consume it, which I disagree. You're consuming their lives through labor forced to well, you. I think I think both of you guys are correct in and of that at the time – that's just not yes. possible. That's ridiculous. There was, I'm sorry. There was, there was <laughs> hostilities growing towards slavery during that time, but there was still plenty of perpetuation of it. Right. Oh, sure. Um, so it's, yeah, there were, there were some struggles, but, you know, they're trying to make it. The thing that's kind of confusing to me is they're kind of making it sound like we were fighting to abolish slavery from the beginning and i'm not convinced at that i, I i'm not I'm sure con- fighting to abolish is even the right terminology i think i don't know and maybe it's that side of me that wants to look at things a little more rosy than they actually are um but taking steps to limit its scope i i don't know well let's it goes on indeed the compromises at the constitutional convention were just that compromises the three-fifths compromise was proposed by an anti-slavery delegate to prevent the south from counting their slaves as whole persons for purposes of increasing their congressional representation which there's a double-edged sword on that one um The so-called Fugitive Slave Clause, perhaps the most hated protection of all, 
accommodated pro-slavery delegates, but was written so that the Constitution did not sanction slavery in the states where it existed. There is also the provision in the Constitution that forbade any restriction of the slave trade for 20 years after ratification, at which time Congress immediately outlawed the slave trade. Um, that's not true, because you could still trade in slaves afterward. You just could no longer import them. Yeah, that's, there needs to be a, there, yeah, that's poor choice of words. So, yeah, so, all, so I might be leaning a little bit more towards Root on this one. <clears throat> so this is, so uh, I and it might just be me. I do not like the terminology three fifths of a person for obvious reasons. Um, are we, are we in agreement on the, the reasoning behind the three fifths compromise in terms of what they're saying here? I mean that it was a, an anti-slavery approach to limit the power of the South. Um, because the South did try to claim them as full population to garner more well, con uh, congressional vote. I think that's well, also think a, a, a sorry, Happy. I cut you off. I'm going to make a real quick okay. point here. Uh, I think that is once again more hypocrisy from slave owners. Uh, their property they don't count. They're not. They don't no, get the vote. Right. That's what it. I'm saying. Right. Um, but, it was well, it was a way for slave owners to, to right. claim more congressional power because they were able to claim more population. Right. But it's and the but north. Northern states were like, no, that's ridiculous. Right. Well, but but it's still a repudiation of non-slaveholding states because they're essentially making them less than a person. I agree, but it's also a way to limit the power of the southern states to then further legislation that would protect slavery. Well, by by institutionally creating them less of a person. I, I know. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's still would a you have would you have preferred them to have increased congressional power? Well, considering the right, the considering <laughs> the argument was that they should not count as all at all. If they're going to be considered property, they shouldn't count at and all. And I completely get the, the hypocrisy there, and I will absolutely call it out for what it is. It's hypocrisy on the on the part of slaveholders. Right. So what this came down to was. The Northerners obviously had their their agenda for what they wanted to get through in the, the legislation. Southerners weren't going to budge unless they could count slaves uh, as some type of population. So that's that's why we called the compromise. That's what it came sure. down to. Oh, absolutely, it is, and and that's that, and that's um, that's the way that I kind of approach it is that they and again maybe it's the Rosie Social Studies teacher. Uh, if they hadn't come to an agreement, it very well could have torn the country apart, literally. Well, it was going maybe. To. Let's face it. Every, not every, many, many pieces of legislation, especially some of the landmark pieces of legislation that come down between the founding of the country and 1861, are basically kicking the can down the road on oh, the sure slavery issue. It was going to come to blows. It was come to. It was going to come to gunpowder and lead at some point. It just was a matter of when. If they and as we. Go ahead. Sorry. If the Missouri Compromise in 1820 didn't work out, there was going to be a war there. It, sure. It just was a matter of what piece of legislation would finally push everybody over the edge or what action would finally push everybody over the edge, and now we're starting to shoot. 
I'm not even talking about internal uh, conflict. I'm talking about things like, um, well, like this, but you go a little further ahead in history with the Jay Treaty and the, I mean, the War of 1812. The, the British were looking for a reason to be back in the, on the continent. Sure. And any sort of strife between North and South would have allowed them to step wow. in and say, we, we got you. Yep. yep we got yep. you. I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, so again, that rosy history teacher was like, in order to, to preserve the union, there had to be compromise. Now, is it okay to compromise with human life? No, clearly not. But in order to limit the power of the South at the time, this was, I don't I stop shy of using the word necessary, but almost in order to preserve the union. Okay. I could, I mean, I might be, no, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. Again, uh, whether we're talking about making sure that the, uh, um, the America or the United States of America stays strong enough to avoid invasion from another country, or whether we're talking about kicking the can down the road so we don't have to make a decision. It's, it's, and this is where we talk about just a series of just terrible choices that the country makes. I mean, over its history, we see it uh, going as far back as, uh, you know, John Punch and, and, and just the treatment of people that don't look European in general. Um, this is just another one of those things, but ultimately the, the goal is to preserve that union. And if we can preserve that union by whatever means, and I'm in no way justifying what happened, I'm in no way justifying slavery, but I'm saying in order to preserve the union, decisions were made that clearly were terrible choices. But on the other hand, does it mean that the British comes back in and reclaims or, or conquers us and we're, you know, British subjects from that point on? You got to kind of look at it as a, in that perspective, what would have happened if we would have allowed the South to have that legislative power? Would they have preserved slavery for, you know, 20 more years past what they did or 30 more years past they did? Or what, what, would, what laws would they have passed to to protect that institution of slavery? So here's where we're going to go with this. Yeah. Um, you make a very, I'm going to use the word cogent argument. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I agree with you. No, no. Uh, Sheldon Cooper uses that word, so I, I, it's got to be good. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I would assume that that argument has been made in your, or not argument, but that story has been told or that question has been brought up in your classroom. Sure. And it's broad and it looks at the big picture and it's everything we want it to be. And the problem, as we're talking about this 1776 commission report that we, we, we were talking about through this whole thing, is that the assumptions being made that that conversation doesn't happen in American classrooms, yeah. that it just no, denounces. It. And again, that's my problem with this report. If it was just talking about what American history should be, okay, fine, but it's not. It's making assumptions about what's going on in classrooms and denouncing those things without having any research whatsoever or anybody on that commission that's in an American high school, middle school, or elementary classroom teaching American history. And it's going out and and saying, here's what you should be doing because you're not doing it now. Even though it's not, they've they've got no research. There's no numbers that they're going off of. There's no statements from or, or interviews done with teachers. And again, there's nobody on that commission that's been in a K-12 classroom for, uh, or at least certainly not now. And if they did uh, previously, it's, it's been quite some time. Um, so basically it's, it's, 
making assumptions based on pop culture and what we're seeing come across Facebook about what's being taught in classrooms rather than any kind of factual evidence. And that's why I've got a huge problem with it. And here's why it's dangerous. Because if you put that out there, those that really want to get after teachers and say, well, they're doing this, this, this government report says this is what's happening, or it's at least implying it, they're going to go with that. Even though that yeah, may not I be what's it. happening. That's I why I've got a problem. So it's not black or white. <laughs> um, How many well, times can you say that in, a, uh, in, a, in an episode? But I don't even think... As you- Go ahead. Well, uh, well, as you well, as you continue through this, you know, they're kind of going back and forth about, you know, the compromises and um, the how political practical politics. Um, and, and they, of course, it, then it jumps immediately immediately to Lincoln, um, you know, but then, you know, it goes on uh, Frederick Douglass had been born a slave, but escaped and eventually became a prominent spokesman for the abolitionist movement. He initially condemned the Constitution, but after studying its history, came to insist that it was, quote, a glorious liberty document and that the Declaration of Independence was, quote, the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny. That quote is actually from his What is Fourth of July to a Slave. Mm. Right. Which was slave is fourth of July. But that's not um, his but that's not his endorsement saying, yep, what we've done is is rosy and good. That's just saying that those documents are important in terms of the future of the country. Well, I mean, that whole speech he's talking about, you know, you guys are celebrating, you know, this wonderful event, but I'm not a part of that. My people are right. not a part of this. And this was in um 1852 mm-hmm. so of course right. he's going after slavery because that existed at that particular point right and he's attacking it he's basically saying yeah the constitution doesn't have slavery in it so but yet you you know it's still existing it's still being i mean he's giving an abolitionist speech in this particular point right so and- once again i feel like in this it's this is kind of But the whole purpose of this is to say that, you know, there's a reason why slavery existed. This is 1852 and, you know, 1776. So, you know, not quite 100 years, but slavery still existing in this particular point. So to try and kind of say, well, everybody was doing slavery at this particular point. Well, at this point that they're quoting, you know, as what Geldmacher said, you know, uh, England had already banned it. So it's like, you know, there's just it's so it's it's tr- it's it's very clumsy, tr- clumsily trying to promote points by taking these uh, these little snippets and things and kind of placing them out of a sort of context and not, you know, the thing is, is that, yes, we overcome slavery. Absolutely. We you know, but then we have 100 years of Jim Crow. After that, which is still trying to minimize that, but it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm not trying to teach and I don't think liberals are trying to teach that, you know, this concept of our American principles are, you know, based on a lie. I think it's something that the country has been aspiring to overcome and we continue to do so. 
But to try and say, well, everybody was doing slavery at that particular point isn't, you know, that feels like it's a justification for what we did. And it doesn't go on to say, and then after, you know, slavery had been abolished and all these other places, we continued it. It's, you know, there's struggles. It, we, if we were perfect all the way through, then this would be a boring story. But we have had huge struggles that have taken place in this country's history. And you have to address them. You have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about why they started, um, how they were perpetuated, you know, the kind of chess games politically that were taking place to to promote slavery and compromise against it, and then eventually leading to the Civil War where those compromises could no longer exist. Um, the secession documents where they specifically talk about this is why we're, you know, we are seceding. And then the war and 600,000 people dead. And then all of a sudden, yay, slavery's abolished. But then you have Jim Crow for another hundred years where it's like, you know, we'll separate but equal. These kind of things. It's like this is this is part of the problem. This is and I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a bunch of people that are not I feel like it's again it's someone who kind who kind of read the book but maybe <laughs> just read the back of the book and now they're giving a book report on it. I mean, some of the things that they're referencing are kind of true, but, but there's a larger point that they're trying to kind of minimize that I think does the entire purpose and injustice. Again, that makes sense. Again, we're arguing over the history that they're telling in this story, and that can be done all the time. And yes, we can we can we can minimize that, we can maximize that argument. But at the end of the day, this is a report on American education and what is being taught in schools, and it's done no research to find out what's actually being taught in schools, and it certainly doesn't ask students what they think about what's being taught in schools. And so they can give us a history report here all they want. But if they're going to report on what American education should teach or is teaching, then they better have some darn facts and, and research and investigation into what's happening now before they're coming out and saying, well, here's what should, should have been happening. Well, I think there is research. I do believe that there is research in here, but I don't oh, they, believe Yeah, that. sure. They've done historical research and looked up quotes and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying get your butts out into a school and do observations. Do teacher surveys. Do student surveys. Well, do administrative surveys. That research hasn't been done here. At, uh, not in a defensive manner. However, we remember last week when we talked about this, them stating that this was the first of whatever reports so this was a it, it appeared and I, the, the timing is really strange that you argue how were you going to put out a series of reports when you knew you already lost the election was to put out a series of reports in an effort to kind of reshape the first being to could it be that they put that word in there so they could justify what their their lack of anything else but possibly because if you put this document out there now it's out there for whoever wants to use it against american educators to use knowing full well they may not get another one put out there but this way now there's a a, a defensible argument well we were going to do more but we never got a chance possible just but, as possible it is that they had intended on putting out a series of things which is right. whatever right yeah i 
I do think that they they have done research. They have done quotes. They have, you know, they talk about Benjamin Franklin. They talk about John C. Calhoun. Uh, you know, the they talk about the Civil War, all this kind of stuff. But it's kind of like, but it's so clumsily written. I yeah, feel like, yeah, I, I, I honestly I feel like they could have written this in a way that could have actually been a much more forceful point. It's because there's there's plenty of, you know, resources to draw from and instances and examples and stuff like that. But I, I kind of feel like this is a pro-American history for people with short attention. Well, no doubt about that. But no, again... <laughs> the the research, I mean, but yeah. you know, you keep saying they've done research, but I I, I still feel like the research well, they did. Research that we're not tackling, but that's fine. Yes, okay, well, well, they, well, they looked up quotes. Yes, they looked looked up quotes. They did not properly cite them. They did not use footnotes or citations as far as we would not use the in point. the school. The point is, yes. this is a a, a commission. Yeah to investigate what's being taught in American schools. And they don't research that they researched history. They researched uh, what no, they wanted. I don't think, I don't think they're, I don't think the purpose of this necessarily was to research what's being taught. I think they're condemning what's being taught because they feel like that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. But if you're going to condemn it, you better know what's being taught before you condemn it. That's why the research is irrelevant. Well, not irrelevant, but that's why the research is massively lacking in this one. It's not the fact that they didn't cite the sources for their quotes. Yes, that's a problem because if you're going to be taken seriously as an academic, you've got to cite your, your quotes uh, and sure. you've got to cite your sources. But the problem is they're condemning the American education system, in particular, the social studies teachers for what they're teaching, but there's no research done to prove what is being taught or what is not being pro taught. So they're condemning you, uh, you, me, and, and all three of us without having any idea of what we're actually doing in our classroom. Well, I think it's, I think one of the big ironies of this is that they're saying there's this liberal agenda in the schools and, this is how it, you know, because it's founded on unsubstantiated claims and lies, false, you know, um, false allegations. And yet they're using a lot of material that isn't sourced and is yeah, not exactly taken. Yeah. Contact. So it's like, I, I think I understand it's what poor. they're trying, what they're trying to do. I understand the purpose behind it. I, um, I think again. I think one of the, its biggest issues is that it's so clumsy, mm -hmm. um, and I don't. I mean, and I I disagree with a, with a lot. Of, we haven't even gotten into the progressivism part, which I think we'll probably have to you know delay for the next episode or whatnot. But I, um, I don't know if I can I do think, another on this. Do what? I don't know if I can do another episode on this. Well, you're gonna you'll you'll die of a heart attack or a stroke or something. And, you know, we keep talking about this. But, well, um, the argument's not going to change because we can talk about the history all we want. But at the end of the day, this is an attack on the American education system, and we're not talking about that stuff in, in our discussions. We're talking about the history. Well, the history is easy to talk about, and 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 the the semantics of the history that's fine. But that's not what this is. This is. A 
a condemnation of American education based on no research. Full stop. Well, well, I mean, it is I think it's I think it is a condemnation, but I think it's an attempt to try and refocus what they think should be taught. Right. And based on no research, they have not proven what is or is not being taught in schools. So how can you refocus the education without knowing what is is? It's kind of like regardless of I mean, this is what we think is being taught in here. And regardless of if it is or isn't, this is kind of what should be taught. Right. That's the problem. That's that's been my and I did. I did a masterful job of being a terrible argumentator or whatever you want to say (laughs) to prove my point. I did a terrible job up until now to finally sort of rattle rattle tail my my way into trying to sort of get my point across um, because I, I well. Uh, yeah, that's what we're going to go with. But that that's the whole thing. We, I mean, we can argue the history in this thing all we want. And there's plenty of to, to argue. And there's plenty to go on. And there's, a, you know, 16 well, episodes. Point, well, right. But at the point. end of the day, this thing is about saying that what Jason Hatfield, Jason Rude, Brian Geldmacher, and every other uh, history teacher in the country is teaching is wrong. Yet they've done nothing to, to 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 prove what we are actually teaching in our classrooms, it's all based on. Um, oh gosh, it's I, in response to the sixteen nineteen project. Well, there's basically. yeah, there's that, but I mean, based on urban legend about what we're teaching, well, or if I mean, it's, it's based good. on that, then oh Jesus, this is what teachers are going to be using, and assuming that well, everybody's you know going full on. I mean, it's not, it's nothing new that education has kind of been attacked under, you know, especially this particular administration. I mean, if you had Donald Trump Jr., you know, talking about, you know, liberal teachers or losers or, you know, something. Loser teachers. He called all of us losers. And again, I mean, it's, but it's, (sighs) the thing I, I just, I kind of feel like, if you have a superhero that has no conflict within, no downfalls that they have to overcome, all those kind of things, then there's no point in it. And I think that this country is not perfect. Um, and I think that there's the potential for for greatness. But like, you know, there was this one scene in uh, in the West Wing where, you know, he's talking about, you know, hey, you know, do you have a, you know, this, I can't remember, I think this is a $20 bill or a dollar bill or whatever. But you look on the back and it's the pyramid with the eye, you know, mm-hmm. separated from it. And he says that is supposed to resemble that we are constantly a country in progress, that we are constantly building and constantly trying to improve. And that's what's important. We've got, I mean, Science has changed. I mean, you've got scientific articles that try to promote the fact that, you know, fact, tried to promote that, you know, uh, blacks were, were, you know, scientifically inferior to whites and people believed it. And I don't know what, where that research would have come from, but, you know, it was people believe that kind of stuff. And then there's this fight to overturn it and get people to see certain things. I mean, like when we're talking about that, you know, people think that a, a Jewish-backed laser in space started the fires in California. You know, people right. believe that kind of stuff. And it's, it's you know, it's, there's this, this isn't something new. 
but you know it's it's the constant struggle i think that we have to kind of show yeah we got a lot of crappy things and we can't not talk about it because we have to talk about it but we you know we also need to say what but look at all these people the sacrifices look at the changes that we have we finally had our first african-american president uh, vice I mean, president. which was a huge deal. Vice, or, or yes, 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 yes. Sorry, you're yeah, correct. Yeah, were you? Well, were you, yeah, you were alive. I forgot about forty four. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, you're right. But, Sorry um, about that. But I mean, so and that during this time period in seventeen seventy six would have been virtually unheard of. So there is the potential, but you can't deny the fact that there's been, you know, a couple hundred years of, you know of oppression and racism and stuff that has taken place. And we're still having to untangle it. Now it's not something like, yay, the state happened and we're absolutely perfect. I don't think that that's, you know, I think it's to show to, to inspire people that that change is going to happen, that the change continuously, that we've come a long way, but we're not there yet. We're not at that, you know, that, that, that end point in the race yet. And, I kind of feel like that this report is trying to establish that, you know, we are or that we're further along than we should be, but to kind of minimize these struggles because it kind of makes us look bad. Well, yeah, every country's got bad. I mean, if you want to talk about, well, slavery existed everywhere. Yeah, well, that shows that a lot of these countries have had issues with it. But, you know, it's... You can't change what happened in the past, but you can try to untangle it and make things better for the future. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and but like I said, that's, we, that's, been, we, that's been my frustration by just saying that you know you, you've got this liberal agenda that you're only trying to focus on this. Well, I'm not. I really am not. But I have to show slavery just didn't all of a sudden pop up out of nowhere. And, you know, and it was only happening in, you know, the southern states in the, you know, in the United States. It's, you know, it existed and there have been struggles. But even after slavery was over, there were still struggles. There were still these identifiers that we're still having to deal with today. And you got to address it. But you have to fully understand it in order to really address this kind of stuff. And maybe that's too deep for middle school. Uh, but. Well. I that's the kind of level that I try to bring it to in my yeah. class. Yep. That's not too deep. We want deep thinkers and it's our job to expose students to deep thinking so that when they get to the, to their next level, they can continue to do that. And so that they're prepared as young adults. Um, so no, that's not a beyond a middle schooler. They have opinions. I just got done doing social injustice speeches with my students. They were allowed to choose a, any social injustice they wanted. Now, that doesn't mean that they had to go out and do only racism issues or only gender issues or only whatever. You know, I had some that did uh, all kinds of different topics. One time I had a student in this project do uh, a, uh, a speech on uh, ethical standards for uh, mechanics, basically saying that mechanics shouldn't... Um, yeah, basically gouge uh, people that that don't know the internal combustion engine, whatever, um, a, a, you know, and basically do a whole bunch of extra work that doesn't need to be done just because they can make a bunch more money off of, of somebody who doesn't know any better. Yeah. Um, so it, which was 
I felt it, it, it met the criteria for a social injustice because it, it can, it does happen. Um, that doesn't mean but that I'm I mean, pushing a liberal agenda. It means that I'm telling my kids, think about stuff outside of, you know, your own world. Yeah. And there's not just and there's not just slavery. The issue you got like the Chinese Exclusion Act, which would happen, you know, what, 20 years after the, the Civil War. You would have the internment of Japanese Americans, you know, during World War Two, just because of who, you know, that because of their you know race. I mean, there's a lot of these things that have happened in our history. And, you know, and we can't just pretend like it didn't happen. Right. And we can't pretend like we created a utopia. Right. I mean, after September 11th, people, you know, there were a demographic of the society that were all of a sudden scared of anyone who looked Middle Eastern. We're still dealing with that. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, but that but the thing is, is that these are shocks to our system that you have to you can't dictate to them that it has to be done, that you have to all of a sudden get over it. People have to learn and be taught these, you know, the tools to be able to deal with this kind of stuff. And so I don't know. I, I, I have all these strong points and I never really finish them very well. <laughs> You're, Oh, I see. I think you do a better job of doing that than I do, but okay. It's probably time for us to land the plane. Sure. <laughs> I think we've had a good discussion. I don't know. Yeah. It was yeah. fiery at times, but whatever. Uh, but you and, know, yeah, it's 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 important to have, though. I mean, it's, it is. You sure. could, you know, chew the fat and talk about you know the uh, Jack Henson one man war, you know. But um, right. you know, these kind of things that. are. I I think that there are points to be made all the way around. So, yeah. um, no doubt, no doubt. But, uh, there you go. All right. Well. We'll call it good there. Uh, of course, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at uh, the History Bros Pod or History Bros uh, Facebook page. Let us know what you think. If you disagree with us or if you want to tell Hatfield and Geldmacher that they're wrong, uh, don't tell me. You can call me if you can find the number. But I'm kidding. <laughs> if you want to let us know that, uh, your thoughts on it, that's a place to do it. Please do. We are always open to the conversation, and uh, usually we can get Hatfield fired up enough to let him uh, usually handle our fights for us. Mm. Or not. Hey, I think that I was the referee in this particular case. I one of the things that I really enjoy if I'm talking about a debate is that I go from the side, the complete opposite side of what I'm used to, <laughs> what I agree with, right. and actually try to go with it. There's a um, a debate. There's a book called The Proslogian, which was written in the Middle Ages, where this uh, monk was going to debate the existence of God, and I was very excited to kind of read that. And it starts off with, "Let's go under the assumption that God exists," and I'm thinking, "Okay, oh. well." That was a short debate. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, you have to, if you really want to be effective. And so even though rude, I probably agree with a lot of the things that you're saying in this, it's really important that I try and really push back and try and, you know, go from that opposite perspective. And a lot of times it's a very quick jump to finally go, Oh yeah, well that's, that's, that sucks. You know, but, um, so, but I, I kind of felt like this was, you know, I was more of a referee between the two of you this time than me going all like, um, you know, going all Hatfield Dennis Leary. Oh, I was going to say going all Hatfield, but you know, that same thing or that or that. Cause you're totally, all right, well, Irish. gentlemen, as usual, it was, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Likewise. Um, you know it. Yeah. And, um, 
I'm sure we'll be, uh, uh, you know, I, I think we could probably address one or two more points in this in the upcoming episodes, and then we can move on to something else. Yes, please. But I love these debates. I love talking about I love picking this stuff apart. This is great. So anyway. For the History Bros, this is Jason Rude have a, saying have a good one, joined by Brian Geldmacher and Jason Hatfield. They also say have a good one, I think. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. Peace out. Uh, deuces. <laughs>